Welcome to Plum Deluxe Tea Time, the podcast where we put the kettle on, sit down with a hot beverage and have thoughtful conversations about what it means to create moments that matter. This podcast is brought to you by the Plum Deluxe Tea of the Month Club. For only $10 a month, you'll receive hand-blended teas and be part of a very supportive tea community. Visit plumdeluxe.com slash tea to learn more. Now here's your Tea Time host, Plum Deluxe founder and creator, Andy Hayes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Deluxers. And welcome to another episode of Plum Deluxe Tea Time. So I am really excited to share today's conversation with you with Jennifer Loudon. I've known Jen uh, for a few years and I've really always admired her work. Her body of work expands from a variety of different topics, including writing retreats and coaching. She's written a variety of different books. And today's focus and intention is about creative expression. And in this call, we talk about not holding back and the parts of our lives that are the most important. We talk about comfort and going on retreat and How can we do that? And why is it so important? I share with you a little more insights and and we have a great revelation and conversation about what I call Jen's Oprah question. And uh, that's a really, really fun one. And it's just a wonderful conversation. I I feel like we go down some tangents that um, are really illuminating and I hope that you enjoy them. So Jen, uh, as I said, she's an author and she hosts retreats. And she says on her website, each week I attempt to answer the question, how do you shape and live your most creative and expressive life? Living and creating without holding back is about being a stand for what you care about and letting what you care about make you a bigger and braver person. Jen's website, jenniferloudon.com, is just power packed with positive messages and support. And what I love about Jen, uh, we're kindred souls in this aspect. We like to have a lot of fun. There's a lot of laughter on this particular episode because there's no reason to be heavy. There's no reason to be weighted down by opportunities for self-growth and self-development. And so I really hope that you'll find something useful takeaway in this call and, uh, you know, if you're looking, if you're seeking for, for something, for guidance, for permission to achieve the dreams and goals that you're working on, I really hope that you find something useful in this episode. And I want you to let me know about it. Please, Instagram, Facebook, email, please uh, let me know what you're thinking of these episodes and what you think about these conversations. I really would like to hear what's coming up for you and how you're going to take action and change based on what's in these shows. So without further ado, folks, this is Jen Loudon on Creative Expression. Jen, beautiful Jen, welcome to Plum Deluxe Tea Time. How's it going in Colorado? It's great. I am loving living here. We've been here, it'll be a year next month, and we just are astonished at how much fun we're having <laughs> and uh, how much the sun agrees with us and being outdoors and we've in this, landed in this great neighborhood and we really have met some great people and made some good friends already so I'm super happy in Colorado Rocky Mountain High <laughs> <laughs> yeah moving can be tough so I'm glad that, that uh, you've landed in a good spot so. 
Right. It has, the thing that's tough is my daughter is still in Washington. She lives in Seattle, and that is um, really hard. I miss her a lot. We text many times a day, but it's not the same. Um, so, yeah, but she's 22, and she's doing her thing. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, we had some good laughs before we started recording, so I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> have some fun with folks today on the topic of creative expression, which was the word, the phrase that I created to try to encapsulate the topics I wanted to talk with you today about. I think that's Beautiful. a juicy place to to go. And so the thing that I wanted to to start with is a, is a perfect way, place to start. It's something that you say a lot, and it always lands for me. It's a phrase that I always notice when you say it, and you say, not holding back. Mm. So, so tell me about that. Where do people hold back in their lives and, and how do you help people illuminate where they're holding back? Because I think a lot of the struggle with holding back is sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. And oh, doing gosh, it. yeah. Kind it's of, so uh, true. Talk to me about holding back. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking about a time, gosh, probably almost nine years ago now when my um, now husband and I were just falling in love and we both had kids. Um, we were, we're a blended family and from our first marriages, so we couldn't be together a lot. So for a while, we decided that we were going to share an office and he moved into my office over the garage and it didn't last for very long because it was incredibly difficult for both of us to be on the phone or recording things like this. And yeah, there was some very hilarious hijinks that uh, ensued. But in the months that he was there, he he observed me. He's a total observer, just like my daughter, and, you know, like wanted to be an anthropologist in his early life. And he, I was on a call with someone and I ended the call and I leaned back and looked over at him across the room and he said, you know what? I get it now. You're really afraid. And I looked at him and I just puffed up and I'm like, do you know what I've done in my life? And do you know how many books I've published? And I did this and I've done that and I've climbed this and I've gone down this river and I'm not afraid of anything. But what started is that process with the rest of our conversation in which he compared me to a pitcher who's had a bad run and gotten afraid that they could never pitch again was I realized how big fear had been in my life and how hidden. So when you say the ways we're holding back and we're not even aware of them, to me that is the crux of my work for myself every day and for everything I do with other people. Is how can I keep bringing the light of awareness? How can I help us come into a state with our bodies and our brains so that we're safe, so that we know we're safe to look at the things that feel unsafe? And so that we can begin to break them down into steps that we can actually take. I just did a survey. We have this new freebie and we asked, we've been getting it out there and we asked people to respond to a couple questions. I think the survey feedback now is up to like 60 pages and it is just full of people talking about what holds them back. And I can only read a little bit of it at a time because it just makes me so sad. And some of it, Andy, is real stuff. Like I'm, you know, my husband is working in another city because he lost his job and I'm having to manage the house and the kids. I don't have time to create. And some of it is just the ways that people can't own their own ideas, their own desires, can't find the ways to to just start. 
So you can hear the sadness in my voice, I'm sure, but also like the passion, like, let's do something about that. <laughs> I think the world benefits so greatly when we start to express ourselves, because what I've seen over the many years I've worked with people is then what happens is we look outside at the bigger world that may not be reflecting the world we know is possible. And then we start to show up for political action and social justice and climate change. And I think it's hard to do that if we're not also nurturing our own freedom. I agree. And I feel as though once we break through that, whatever the barrier is, I mean, I know in my own personal experience, once I started to really get real about what I was trying to do, mm-hmm. not hiding behind a tagline of, you know, making moments matter, <laughs> I, I really saw something change. And our community here has developed because I was able to get past the fear of saying what I really thought about. Mm. You know, what it means to create moments that matter or to show up for conversations like this and talk about creative expression. And I have no idea what's going to happen on this show, but mm-hmm. knowing that it'll be fine. Yeah, so yeah. There's a lot of powerful things that can happen if you... Yes, one of the things that I see come up over and over again to help people get in their own way is not paying attention to and owning what it is that they're interested in or obsessed about or believe. They dismiss it as not original enough or it's already been said or who am I? I was just on the phone with a client. Who am I to tell to write a memoir? Like, why would anybody care? You know, and I gave her the spiel that I give, you know, I've given her before. <laughs> I gave it to her again. Um, like, and this is going to sound familiar. So I, I see that that ownership, that claiming, uh, sometimes very granular, but at the same time, not getting precious about it. You know, one of the things I love about you is your sense of humor. I, I think lightness and humbleness has to come with owning what we care about. It's, it's got to be like an ice cream sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like a good ice cream sandwich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially well, on a hot tell, day. <laughs> yeah. What do you tell these people who have circumstances that are just seem insurmountable? What does it start? Yeah. Well, gosh, sometimes I just weep a little bit and I honestly will do a little, you know, prayer. And then there are times when if it's appropriate, if if if, if we're in a dialogue of some kind, you know, that I might start to dig deeper because sometimes what we think is insurmountable really is a protection. It's another way that we're holding back, right? We create life circumstances. And I do not mean this in any law of attraction way. I mean, oh, look, I volunteered again <laughs> for another thing. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I actually, my mother-in-law actually has enough money to go into a good facility to be taken care of. But I decided for whatever reason, and maybe I don't even know, that she has to live with us just as I was getting the freedom and the time to do the work that I want to do in the world. Um, So that's what I mean by that. So maybe we start to break down, like, what are some of the choices that you're making? What are some of the standards that you're holding yourself to? I, I loved it when a client really got that she could not be excellent or even very good in every area of her life, that her cooking well, she was going to give up making great meals. She was going to give up having a clean house. She was going to give up trying to be thin and in shape, which I know also may be a little petty, but if we look at our own hearts, we find our versions of the things that we're putting more importance on or trying to have it all, to use that sort of hackneyed phrase, 
that get in the way of what we most desire. I call them time monsters in a couple of my books. They're things that maybe we have to do. Like, yeah, I need to exercise. It's really important to move my body, especially as I'm aging. It's not about having a cute butt anymore. It's about being able to walk when I'm old, right? <laughs> I mean, I'd still like to have a cute butt, but I think that's that boat may have sailed somewhere back there in the 30s. So, yeah, that's got to be part of my life. But it doesn't become the thing that suddenly, oh, my God, I'm training for a marathon, and then I don't have time to finish my book. Those are the things. Or, yes, I have to answer email, but do I have to answer it before I do the thing that I really desire but I'm afraid to do? Um, so those are some of the examples. And then sometimes for people who, you know, like, yeah, I mean, when my – um, now, former husband had cancer, and my dad had cancer, and I had a youngest child at home, and I had my own business. Sure. Uh, no, I wasn't working on my novel, and that's okay. So if there's times when we have to really give ourselves wholehearted permission to let go or shelve big dreams. Yeah. And there, can, yeah. there actually can be a great replenishment in that. It's when we hold on to things. You know, when we can't, absolutely really can't be working on them, I see this happen a lot, too. Like, just, again, it's sort of a perfectionistic standard of what we should be capable of. Yeah, I was actually just having a, a fun conversation with Andrea Lita, who was on an earlier episode, and she actually shared some journaling prompts on that, that episode. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes that people might find useful. If this mm. dialogue about holding back is uh, really triggering you, um, wanting to get some things out of your head. But I was telling her, like, I just have had such a busy summer and this is our supposed to be our downtime. And I was, I said, I'm just really having a hard time finding any space. And she said, you have, you meditate in the morning and at night, you have an office, a beautiful garden, a tea workshop. Space is not your issue. What is really your issue? And she really called me on it. Well, what's your issue? issue? What, is, what, what is your issue? Well, I, well, well my, my issue was I was creating things on the to-do list to avoid the hard work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, really yeah, hard time monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. I so, I watch myself do that every day. Yeah. So, hey, if you need somebody to call you out, you know, <laughs> get that friend. Get that friend. Cause there's nothing like a good friend telling you what you really needed to hear or what you're not seeing. I mean, that yeah, was a beautiful, I, I, yeah. beautiful scenario. You're getting off the call and saying, hmm, yeah, there's something happening here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know about it. <laughs> And, it's, and I, I do believe deeply that if we're going to live, you know, what I think of as I, I, I've come to the term life living us. If we're going to live lives where life can live through us instead of what we think we should be doing or our smaller versions or our holding back versions or all these different buzzwords that we can have for it. We can't do it alone. You know, we just can't. And and all of history and all of uh, philosophical, religious, and spiritual traditions tell us that over and over again. And we need to reinvent those if we don't have traditional support in our lives. Yeah. And if you don't have that support, find it. If, yeah. if you need to email me, email me. I'm, I'll do it. You know, like, mm -hmm. I'm here for you guys. So. <laughs> That's a nice <laughs> offer. Yeah. Well, I get... I love emails, and I feel like sometimes I'm the permission slip printer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> people, tell me, people respond to a newsletter and say something, and I just say, well, okay, we'll go and do that. You know, go go try it. Go do this experiment. And people are like, oh, I didn't really? thought of that. And I think, like, well, why not? I mean, uh -huh. you, gotta, you don't know if it's going to fail or not unless you do it, so give it a try. And, Andy, that's another way we, we hold back, right? We have these beautiful minds that are so good at so many things and are essential, and, and we don't want them to go away. 
But one of the things that our minds can't do is predict the future. So we spend, sometimes I see people spend decades rehearsing what an idea or a project or a business or a love relationship is going to be like and never actually tasting reality. Um, so I think you want to get out of your own way. You just keep being real and doing things and noticing what it feels like as you're doing it and then taking the time to reflect. What was it like? What did I learn? It's not rocket science. <laughs> yeah, but we make it rocket science. We do. Because we're all so smart. We're just real smart people. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so something really happened that was interesting when I was preparing for the call is I went back in time to look at your body of work because I've known you for several years, but I haven't known you like for your entire career. Mm -hmm. And I was really intrigued, really intrigued because you were talking a lot in the beginning about comfort, which I thought was a really interesting turn of phrase. And you went from comfort. I don't know if you've realized this. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> so you started with comfort and then your writing kind of got you to retreat, which mm -hmm. I think is a version of comfort, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I want to know what, since you've had all these experiences, what does comfort mean to you? And how does that concept that you, you wrote so much about in some of your books, mm -hmm. how does that inform your work hosting retreats and, and holding space in such a private confines of your clients? Hmm. Well, what it means now is includes what it meant then in my 20s when I wrote my first book, The Woman's Comfort Book, but it has expanded dramatically. And I think I sensed and was living when I was first writing about it what it could become. And, and it's taken a long time, 20-some <laughs> years now, to um, really express what it means. And so what it means to me now is is um, how we are remembered by, I call it being, or someone else might call it spirit or life or reality, but how we are, how we are remembered and grounded in, in that. And then from there, we can let go, whether it's letting go of outcome or whether it's letting go of our fear of being seen or whether it's letting go of this morning, for me, it was letting go of just this crushing fear as I'm working on the book that I'm working on. I mean, I literally had to just sit back and 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 be and really fall into what someone might call meditation to continue. So for me, comfort is the is the ground of groundlessness <laughs> um, and beginning and, and learning how that feels in our body and practicing it so that our nervous systems can be habituated. And we can return to it really quickly. So it's a, it, to me, it's what allows us to do the work that we want to do in the world. I think it's very difficult to, whether it's activism or creative expression or entrepreneurship, to sustain it from a place of willpower or bravado or one-upmanship or saving the world. And when we can resource ourselves regularly and and God I just wrote a blog post today about how I had forgotten and gotten burned out because I wasn't doing this cuz I too have had a busy summer and I've been I've been traveling a lot and when I travel I often kind of get off away from what sustains me so 
Yeah, so that for me, comfort is the ground of groundlessness. And how do we how do we learn that that is the best thing ever? <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of that. A lot of times, people ask me what's so intriguing to me about tea. Mm. And um, the thing that I like the most about tea is it can't be rushed. And mm. I love that, um, like, three or four minutes while you're waiting for it, it's, like, not long enough to go and do anything of significance. And so I just stand there or wait or sit, you know, whatever whatever happens to be the situation. But I love that little piece of space because yeah. it's exactly what you said. Like, just uh, just being. I'm just being. Mm-hmm. And we all know. To, how... Don't need to run we... around. Don't need no. to. Try to, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's there's times when I want to go and try to write a blog post or, or you know, answer <laughs> emails or whatever. But, you know, really, I'm better served by the being space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all know how to be. We were born knowing how to be. And when we cultivate dropping into being, we experience timelessness we were we experienced such a refreshment and with a little bit of practice it becomes quite a felt sense and to me being is a presence it's not just like oh I'm just going out here and be because I know that doing nothing for a few minutes is really good for my brain which is a great practice in and of itself just to hang out on the couch and look at the ceiling you know I love we have this in our new house we have this really big high ceiling like three-story high ceiling in the living room with all these windows. It's the polar opposite of our, our cottage in the Northwest, which was lovely and cozy, but very dark and small windows. And, you know, this is super modern, super bright modern house. I just love to lay on the couch and do nothing and watch the clouds. But that said, it's to me, this it's different from this sense of bringing up, not bringing, but being remembered by this presence of being. So the I, challenge is that for me, at least personally, is being in that space and squashing those fears. Mm. You said a couple of them for me. Like I, I think for me personally, it's easy to try to be the overachiever, the to-do mm-hmm. list checker, the creating all these things in fear of like not having enough customers or not having enough money. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I, I have to say here, if you if you have a hard time with three minutes mm-hmm. waiting on a cup of tea, like okay, so the question is what. What's underneath that? What's the, what's the fear that's driving you to think like, oh my God, I got to use this time so wisely? Yeah, I love that. I love that, Andy. And then I would also say, you know, the invitation is, and again, you know, through, you know, there's lots of practices around this, but it also can be very simple, is that being is bigger than our fears. And being can greet and welcome our fears. And that's what I did this morning when I was writing. I'm, you know, just, I'm in a really long, hard slog with the project I'm working on, and I know that, and I'm a very determined person, but I also don't want to, I don't want to go through this on willpower, I guess is the easiest way to say it, and I want to get myself depressed working on the book, which is very easy for me to do. It's like I, like, kind of char myself out until I get, you know, physically, you know, neurobiologically depressed, (laughs) and not just like, oh, I'm sad, and this being, though, this feeling of being... When I dropped into today, it could welcome, not me, but it welcomes those fears. And and then this great sense of being alone, which I think being alone is so, you know, being the outsider, being rejected is so much at the core and when we, of our fears. And when we can have this sense of something larger than us, whether we call it life or spirit, I don't know. I have no idea what it is. That it greets me and it greets my experience. It really helps. It's tremendous. It's 
It's mm-hmm. the best practice I've ever had. Anyway, long, long answer to your question. I said I wasn't going to give long answers. I lied. Oh. <laughs> this is a good one. Like so talk to me about retreat then. How do, is, mm. is retreat a practice? Yeah, retreat I, I, necessary? Yeah. I think retreats are necessary. In full disclosure, uh, if you look at the you know, if you look at the progression of my books, my retreat book was my fourth book. And, and I think what I was really, the reason why I was so drawn to retreats in my younger life was I really, in some ways, wanted to be a solitary person. And I it was really, I struggled for so much of my life to be in relationship, even though I was, you know, I was married for many years and happily married again and had a child and had community. But I struggled a lot with intimacy. So I think there was a shadow side to me writing about retreats, which is sort of this desire to go be an anchorite or a nun. <laughs> but it turned into this really interesting body of work, both practice. I'm leaving on Sunday to go teach a retreat in Taos. And in this book, which remains in print, and I remain very proud of, the Women's Retreat book. So what I've come to to believe now, all these years later, is that we need sometimes to step out of the madness and the noise of the world and to let it drop away so that we can contact that silence, that refreshment of being, so that we can gain the interior spaciousness that we need to live what life really is for us versus what we think we should be doing or what we, the habits that we've fallen into. So I think of it as a, as a return um, and as a deeply spiritual and creative practice. And I mostly teach writing retreats now, but I basically like hooker people into coming because they're going to get a lot of writing done. And then I throw them in all this other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so be forewarned, everybody. <laughs> yes. Yes, you will be transformed. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I think there is a way, especially for, I have found, since I primarily work with women, but primarily, I mean, especially for women, that they're, we're so attenuated and our brains are even structured to be connected that it's often by by going into this, what I call betwixt between space, we need that to begin to claim a relationship to our own desires. Mm, at least. These are some truth bombs here. Inner spaciousness. Mm. Our inner desires. Oof. That's mm. good. Yeah, you can feel it though, can't you? You know, like when your friend was like, you have spaciousness. And you're like, but I'm not actually in the spaciousness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all around you, but somehow you're not yeah. like, <laughs> stepping in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of retreats. And, it, you know, it doesn't have, I mean, I, I, I think yours is a great example. It, even if you're not looking to uh, have a memoir, award, you know, award-winning <laughs> memoir, mm-hmm. you know, a writing retreat can be very healing, can be very, can really shift things. But you could also do a yoga retreat or you mm-hmm. could go, you could make your own with your, you know, three girlfriends or, you know, mm-hmm. the, whatever it happens to be. There's a real opportunity of a fresh change of scenery and kind of setting an intention of just uh, clearing the decks. Yeah, and setting intention is so important. I really nattered on about that in the women's retreat book, but but I do when I when I lead retreats too. And I I used to have people set their own intention and in the form of a question, and that a retreat became the articulation of the longing behind that question. And I think that's a wonderful and powerful practice for self-directed retreats. But I found in years and years of leading them for women that I. It actually worked better for me to give women 
an intention when we start, and that is to keep asking themselves, what do I really want? And really following it moment by moment, except on my writing retreats during writing time. And then they have to ask that question within the context of getting writing done, (laughs) which is powerful in itself, these different containers we can give ourselves. And it's so important on retreat to have containment. Part of what makes the magic happen is there is a container. So in my retreats, you know, there's a beginning and an end. There's all kinds of mini moments that we're together, you know, sessions and counsel and yoga. And then there's also a very ritual and clear ending. And you have to do that for yourself. And you have to sometimes create it for yourself even when you go on retreat with someone. I have a meditation teacher that I go on meditation retreat with, and they're not very good about beginning and endings. Uh, you know, they just, you know, you just, if there's other things that are magic, but that's not one of them. So I really have to create that for myself. Otherwise, Bob and I just went on a retreat with Richard and like it ended kind of sloppily, kind of in this kind of stuttering way. And we both kind of had anxiety attacks and got really like contracted in our last evening before we left the next day. And, and I was just watching that like, oh, right, I can take responsibility for myself on what I need to end well or begin well. Well, yeah, you have to you have to shift back out of that into like normal life, which runs at a much faster speed. So yes, exactly. And you really have to. I spend a lot of time on my, on my week long retreats preparing people for that. You know, I give them little dollops of preparation the day before while keeping them in the space, and then the morning of, I really give them you know, some time to think about it and share ideas about how they're going to go back. Anyway, so retreats, I think, are magic, and I retreat myself a lot, and you can do it at home, and you can do it with other people, and retreats are not conferences. They're not camps. They're something very different, and and I believe that they have a, 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 a containment and a sense of sacredness and intention that sets them apart. Beautiful. Well, you mentioned about intention and questions, and you asked very powerful questions. I wanted to share the one that you, I call it your Oprah question, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you had a show on Super Soul Sunday, this is what you would be asking people. You say, <laughs> and that would be awesome, by the way, you should put that on your list. Okay, I'll, put, I'll get it right on. I'll get right on it. <laughs> How do you shape and live your most creative and expressive life? That is a pretty yeah. big question. It is, and it's, you know, the thing that when I was younger, I I swear to God, this is so embarrassing. I actually thought I would answer that question, <laughs> right? Like, okay, I've answered it. Huh? We're done. Put a, put a bow on it. And now I realize, and I have to re-realize this all the time, it is in the asking of the question. It is in the responding. It is in the relationship with the question that um, the truth emerges. And it's, it's, I almost would reverse it, like, how can my most creative and expressive life shape and live me? Oh, yeah. You know, like, how can that life force that we can't deny, it's not about believing in something, right? Because we all, if you've ever been with a creature or a human and they're alive and then a moment later they're not, you know that the life force has left. And there's something animating us. And and I think it has I think it has the, the ability to direct us and shape us. I and yet I, and my daughter is just graduated from college and she's kind of flipping out about what to do next and um, and what to do with her life. And it's very cute and very adorable and and, and incredibly anxiety provoking. I try not to tell her how anxiety provoking it is for me. And um, today I got a text and she goes, well maybe I'll just call it good and be a writer. <laughs> 
so, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, just, I just wrote back, sure. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, how, how do we, how, how we get in the way of that and how reality demands things from us is my point. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's, it's a worthwhile pursuit. Well, what I love about flipping that question around is when I was thinking about it, what came up for me was that the answer to that question changes the further you get down that path of being creative and being expressive. Oh, that's great, Andy. Yeah. So, in the beginning, it might actually be, you know, if you're like the Michelangelo hidden in the in the in the big piece of stone, it could just be chipping away at some things that are in the way, or chipping away at beliefs or mindsets that you aren't. You know, we've talked about that you aren't good enough, or who who are you to do this kind of work, or you're not worthy of this creative passion that you have. And then, as it starts to shape you, you can really start to realize that there is this animated dialogue that you're here and the you have these ideas and how can you interact with them and, and shape them. I love um, Elizabeth Gilbert's latest book, Magic. She has a really great chapter about ideas and how she kind of sees them as these magical creatures that, you know, don't have a physical form, but they have similar characteristics. How, <laughs> like, they can like, hop from one person to another or... They, they shape shift. It's really interesting um, mm. how she talks about it. Mm, I like that. I like that. Yeah. And they are. They are living things. One of the things that I've been practicing and teaching lately when I'm writing and teaching people when they're writing is to show your mistakes. And by that, I mean one of the ways that we get in our way when we're creating, um, I think in any medium, but I know writing by far the best, is that we want to clean it up as we go along. So we're deleting and crossing out, and, and we might even call it editing as we go. But it cuts off that the live trail of where that last word that's not quite right or that idea that's not quite alive yet wants to take us. So if we can just leave it right there on the page and keep going, where's it pointing to? Where's it pointing to? Maybe not, we don't maybe totally get there right then. It's not about getting perfect, but it's about getting a felt sense that, yeah, that's good enough. I kind of got it down. Maybe I got it exactly, but there's a there's that living relationship again by that moment but when we when we go and erase the marks on the page when we're drawing too soon or or cross out the words or or try to you know move the commas around too soon i we cut that off yeah and you know i have a really concrete example of this but it might also be useful for people so one thing that i hear a lot about people who are who are emailing me and asking me questions about you know they're planning a party or they're hosting a gathering or something like that and people always seem to talk about their house as messy, and that's something that kind of gets in their in their way of creating this cool experience for people, or you know, working on their mom's you know cake recipe that was famous and they want to share. Here's a, 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 you know, I want to extend this metaphor into something really physical. People do not care about your house being dirty. They will be so overjoyed to share in your mom's cake recipe with you that they're not even going to notice. So yeah. <laughs> things that are going to get in the way. And even if, like, the kitchen, like, like if I go into someone's home and they've just made something and the kitchen looks like something exploded, then I, I just, I'm so overjoyed to see how much work and love went into creating this, you know, lemon bake or, you know, whatever it happens mm -hmm. to be. So don't be afraid of the stuff in the middle that's messy yeah. because most of us don't care. Actually, I'm going to say that. People don't care. 
Only well, you seem to be worried about it. Most well, of us are focused on supporting what is at the end, what, is, what you're working on right now. Yeah, and the other thing that I'll say is if, if you do have friends that care, get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a women's group for many, many years when I lived in Santa Barbara, and we met once a week. And I remember at one point we finally got comfortable, I don't know how many months in with each other, and somebody said, probably me, oh, look, we're good enough, we're close enough now that we're not cleaning the bathroom for each other. <laughs> I actually said something more graphic than that, but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right, well, this has been a really fun journey. I think we've covered some really useful topics, and I'd like to close with the question that I ask all my guests, which is for you, when I offer the term creating moments that matter, what does that mean to you? What comes up for you? What comes up for me is my greatest desire and sometimes my greatest heartbreak, Andy, which is when I'm not present. Right now, I can see your face the last time I saw you, and I want to be present to that, you know, and I want to be present to the fan overhead, and the, I can feel it a little bit more on one shoulder than the other, and I want to hear the dog slightly snoring on the floor, and, you know, I want to be present tonight when I go to a friend's house for a party. I, I want to be present to it all, and that's all that matters. And it's so easy for my ambition and my worrying and not worrying, but my like that to do list thing, going on to the next thing to get it done. That's more accurate to, to take me out and to get in bed at night and, and cuddle up with my beloved and go, oh, shit, I missed it again. I freaking missed it again. No, I don't want to miss it. And so for me in these in this life that I have left, however many years that is, I just want to keep trying to not miss it. Beautiful. Uh, Beautiful. And not beat myself up when I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Tomorrow is another opportunity. Right. Today, this moment right now is another opportunity. Right now. <laughs> right. right. When we hang up. Yeah. And right now when we're talking. And everyone, thank you so much for the chance to talk about all this groovy, wonderful, juicy stuff. Mm, you're very welcome. Jen, what's the best place for us to connect with you? Jenniferloudon, L-O-U-D-E-N.com, like loud in. And um, we have this cool freebie that we created a few weeks ago that I am just like, I love it so much. It's beautiful and it's powerful and it's called How to Follow Through on Your Creative Desire. And you'll love it. And mm, so that sounds perfect. Yeah. <laughs> perfect follow-up. Well, Thank you. Folks, uh, all the links will be in the show notes. So if you just go to plumdeluxe.com and click on podcast slash blog, and then just look for Jen's episode under the podcast section. So Jen, thank you so much for being on Plum Deluxe Tea Time. Uh, it's been it's been such a joy. I miss your face too. I can't wait to see you again sometime soon. <laughs> thank you, Andy. <laughs> all right, take care, everyone. Bye. Love trying new teas. Treat yourself to a Plum Deluxe Tea of the Month subscription. For only $10 a month, you'll receive a hand-blended, all-organic loose-leaf tea, thoughtfully chosen for the season. Tea Club members also enjoy special benefits like discounts, free shipping on all purchases, and access to our very loving and supporting tea community. A tea subscription also makes a fantastic gift. Visit plumdeluxe.com tea and join us. Did you enjoy this episode of Plum Deluxe Tea Time? Be sure to visit plumdeluxe.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The Blend, 
so you don't miss a future episode. Then tell a friend about Plum Deluxe and our supportive community. And if you're on iTunes, please leave us a review. It helps other listeners find us. Thank you for listening. You are wonderful. Wonderful.